to another edition of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet podcast. This is episode number four. My name is Kent. I'm Michael. I'm filled with hope that feels new. (laughs) My name's Ethan. I'm filled with hope that feels... Do you know why he said that? Because this is episode four. Oh, snap. Episode four, A New Hope, for all of you non-Star Wars nerds. (laughs) That's the title of the very first Star Wars movie made. So anyway, I'm Brian, and together we are the Boulder Bassoon Quartet. Today we're going to talk about Rika Narimoto, composer extraordinaire who wrote a piece for us that's included on our new CD, From the Opposite Shore. And in fact, the title of the CD is stolen from the title of the fifth movement of Rika's piece. Uh, Rika wrote a piece called The Sound of New York, it's a five-movement work, and it's inspired by the time that she spent in New York City. She lives in a town called Kanazawa, which is in Japan, and she got a prestigious grant from the Asian Cultural Council to spend six months in New York City studying other composers, interviewing them, and creating her own unique musical signature. I got to know Rika because she taught my wife, Kaudi, uh, when Kaudi was studying in Japan, and they became... Uh, friends and Rika has written a couple of pieces for Cowdy and for Cowdy's Woodwind Quintet. Let's take a listen right off the bat to some of this music that she wrote for Cowdy. This is called Trace 3 by Rika Narimoto. So guys, what do you think of that? It's different. I'll tell you what it reminds me of is the subway announcements. It oh, kind of yeah? has that abstract motion. Yeah, I, I kept hearing subway announcements. I kept hearing a Wookiee at certain parts. <laughs> Are those the, the harmonics? Multiphonics. Uh, multiphonics, flutter tonguing, all sorts of fun growly stuff. It's a good thing that this is episode four to talk about. <laughs> so the clip that we just heard is full of what's called extended techniques. Uh, the bassoon, of course, can play very beautiful, melodic, singing music, and it can also do basically what are sound effects. So we heard some fluttered tonguing, in which case, uh, as you're playing, you move your tongue, something like that. And then we heard multiphonics, which is basically where you play a note and then you add a key that you shouldn't add, 
and it creates that growly sound where it's very, very quickly alternating between two or three or even four different notes. We heard some extreme high notes, I believe. Mm-hmm. And there was also the, the pitch bending. Um, so that, that part reminded me of the ambulance sirens and car horns where we, we do some pitch bending, not only going down, but also kind of alternating up, bending up and down um, as an, another extended technique in there. So with the title of Trace 3, what, what, what do you possibly think that means? Well, wouldn't this have something to do with the, um, the style of composition that uh, she works with where she actually creates music that uh, visually, literally outlines a trace of some subject that she has chosen? Okay, so my understanding of things is that she uh, traces over an old form of music. So let's take a look at her bio here. It says her work combines contemporary music composition techniques with the traditional rhythmical structures of 17th century Japanese Ichubushi form in order to create abstractions of space and time and produce a unique musical signature. So I I don't know what this uh, 17th century Japanese kind of music is, but I, I believe the way it works is that she literally traces over it and that creates a general sort of abstract form and rhythmical structure and then she uses that and puts on top of that modern compositional music techniques. Um, and I like this, what it says here in her bio, that she does all that to create abstractions of space and time and produce a unique musical signature. So she's written uh, a couple of pieces that I've heard, including this piece that she wrote for Cowdy called Trace 3, which is just for solo bassoon. And the recording that we heard was Uh, taken from the live premiere of the piece. Uh, She also wrote a piece for Woodwind Quintet. And let's take a listen to this too. This also uses the same technique where she traces over this ancient style of Japanese music and adds to it very modern compositional techniques.
So that was a piece written for Woodwind Quintet. And both of the pieces of music that we've just listened to are very modern and weird and abstract. And when you listen to stuff like that, what, what's your reaction? I respect the art a lot. Uh, I have a harder time getting my head around some of that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's so abstract, to me at least. I just have a harder time understanding it. Yeah, and it, it helps to have anchor points. I mean, the, the thing that started to really help me get my head around um, The Sound of New York was to have those, those kind of, yeah, anchor points, I think is, is the best way to describe it of, okay, this is what this is supposed to represent. This is what that's supposed to represent. Um, and I think if those aren't there, the other method is you can, you can create your own. Um, but it, yeah, our, the, the piece that she wrote for us is just as weird and just as abstract, but it has titles that very clearly tell us what's going on. Let's take a quick listen to uh, a little bit of rushing through the sudden rain and imagine that you didn't know what the title was and you just heard this music all by itself. So that was a snippet of Rushing Through the Sudden Rain, part of her suite called The Sound of New York. And again, if you didn't know the title of it, uh, it would just sound like kind of weird abstract music and it's, it's harsh, some of it's harsh to listen to. But knowing that it's called Rushing Through the Sudden Rain is actually uh, kind of, it kind of makes it a delightful piece of music. The first time that we played it at Dazzle Jazz, what happened to the audience? <laughs> Bursts of laughter in the middle of the piece. That was, that was a first. It was unexpected for yeah. us uh, because from our point of view, we had uh, the humongous task of figuring out how this is supposed to go and how to play all of those ridiculously fast notes. Uh, but then, you know, the audience has the point of view where they can kind of take a step backwards and look at it with this bigger picture. And it is actually a pretty humorous little piece of music. And it very clearly and artistically paints this picture of people rushing through a sudden rainstorm. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet podcast is brought to you by Forests Music. That's forests with two R's, music.com. They have just about everything you need if you're an oboe or bassoon player, from uh, sheet music, tools, recordings, to the instruments themselves. And remember that one of the recordings they have now is our very own From the Opposite Shore. That's our first album by the Boulder Bassoon Quartet. Head on over to forestsmusic.com. The second movement of the suite has um, probably the, the, the most concentrated amount of abstract uh, extended techniques and unusual writing. The way that it's written is really interesting in that one of us will start a note and next person to come in won't know exactly when to come in. They just has to wait for the other person. And then as soon as we hear the other person, we come in immediately. So here's a little snippet of ambulance sirens and car horns. <laughs>
there's a couple of things, or I guess there's one thing that I was thinking about with the ambulance sirens and car horns. Part of the um, picturesque element of it is, of course, the aural sensation of a loud, uh, generated sound uh, coming and going through the streets. When we were listen, listening a second ago to the quintet, I was thinking about how it, by definition, must be a much different uh, experience to hear that live, uh, just because of the the ways that the different tones uh, and overtones from the instruments blend together to create each block of sound. You can't really capture that on a recording, certainly not on a digital recording, where so much of the uh, actual aural information is, is cut out for the purposes of digital transfer. And I can tell that I'm boring my audience to tears right now. I think it's pretty interesting. I think it would potentially be uh, more visceral and more cool to be able to hear something like the quintet live where you get that very physical sensation of the sounds. And anytime you see any live performance, you also have the, the added experience of watching them perform, mm -hmm. seeing one person cue another, seeing the strain that is needed to play some of these things. Uh, for the, this piece that we just played from our own uh, piece, Ambulance Sirens and Car Horns, one of the interesting things that does not at all come across on the recording is that at one point, one person starts a note and then another person concludes the note. So the, the note it kind of has this uh, stereo effect live and getting, the, uh, getting that effect of one note kind of blossoming into another one and it sh the note shifting from one person to another is, is pretty interesting. And you get only just the slightest hint of it on an audio recording. But to experience it live is pretty cool. If you'd like to experience it live, we are playing it. Uh, in November at Lafayette on Sunday, November 9th at 5 p.m. at the Center for Musical Art. It's a free concert thanks to some funding from the Lafayette Cultural Arts Commission. We're also going to be performing for the Longmont Council of the Arts on Friday, November 21st at 2.30 p.m. at the Longmont Senior Center. And then at the same time, Paul Hansen's going to be in town performing through all the different colleges, including Colorado State University, and on Saturday, the 22nd, uh, the University of Wyoming in Laramie. So you guys haven't had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Narimoto. Not yet. Based on the piece that she wrote for us and based on the music that you heard that she wrote for other people, what sort of personality do you think she has? Pretty, in <laughs> pretty intense. I bet she's remarkably intelligent. I like both of those answers. <laughs> <laughs> She is a very sweet, warm, friendly person. Her picture on her bio page portrays that. Yeah. Her music does not necessarily portray that. <laughs> um, and in particular, there's the, the last movement of The Sound of New York. It's called From the Opposite Shore. And for quite a while, I didn't know what exactly that meant. Her, the titles of the other movements are very specific and... Uh, not being a native English speaker, she wanted to confirm with me that she wrote the titles correctly. And as we were talking, she said that she very specifically did not want the titles to be abstract. She did not want them to be a metaphor for something. Because at one point, uh, I think the second movement was going to be called just like sirens and horns. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool because, it, you know, the siren is a figure from Greek mythology 
in the horn. That could mean a number of things. But no, very specifically, she wanted it to say ambulance sirens and car horns. So then we get to the fifth movement, which is called From the Opposite Shore. And I thought, what exactly did she have in mind here? I was in New York um, in August, and we were on the New Jersey side, and we took a look at the skyline of the city, and it was absolutely beautiful, and it was really you know, fun and energizing to look at. Um, and so that's what sprung to mind from my point of view for the opposite shore. But the music does not match that idea at all. Let's take a listen to this movement from the opposite shore, which is the fifth movement of The Sound of New York. So that music was, I think, dark and gloomy uh, and, and not at all what I thought of when I figured, you know, when I saw the, the title and when I saw that it was a chorale, you know, and of course, knowing that it was about New York, I thought it was going to be a warm, lovely piece because she, I know, absolutely loved her time in New York. But that's not at all what we got. What do you guys think about this piece? When I first heard it, I thought, I was trying to think, well, maybe it's on a foggy, cold morning or something, or maybe when you're looking at it from, from the opposite shore like that, you don't see the people and the life in it, and all you just see is these cold buildings or something. That's kind of what I thought she was getting at. When we premiered it, we asked the audience, what do you guys think this is? Let's talk about it during the intermission. And the most common response was... Um, it was taking a ferry across the water and there were a bunch of foghorns and tugboats and stuff like that. And that is pretty fitting, but it's not what the composer had in mind. The answer was revealed to us just a few days before the, uh, the premiere. We premiered this on September 13th and on September 11th, the composer posted a picture to her Facebook page and it was a picture that she took on September 11th, 2012, uh, she was either 
on the New Jersey side of the shore or on a boat. And of course the picture includes the big uh, beams of light that they put up in place of the Twin Towers. And that is the, uh, the meaning behind this corral from the opposite shore. Considering her method of composition and that she traces uh, old music or images, I, we'll, we'll have to talk with her about this when she's here in March, but I wonder if she took the skyline from this picture and actually traced it because there are moments in the music where there are unexpected silences. And that could be, of course, the missing Twin Towers. Dr. Narimoto will be visiting us in March and we'll have an opportunity to talk with her at that point about all of these mysteries and so many more. And in March, we're, we're gonna have a whole bunch of performances. Yeah. Uh, you can check our website for those dates. We're gonna perform at the Estes Park Music Festival and the Pendulum New Music Series at CU and Boulder Arts Week and at Metro State University. Uh, for all that and more, be sure to check out boulderbassoons.com. And uh, to wrap things up, we're going to first play a recording that Dr. Narimoto made when she was riding the subways in New York City. And following that, we'll play uh, the piece that was a result of that recording. So this is called Subway Announcements, and it's part of The Sound of New York which of course is available on our new CD, From the Opposite Shore. And on the, the actual recording that she made of the subway announcements, um, you can hear definitely some of the music that makes its way into the piece. And also keep in mind that in this trace method of composition, she takes the, the source material and makes sort of an abstraction of that, an impressionistic uh, artistic representation of that. So here's the uh, quick listen of subway announcements by Dr. Rika Narimoto. This is a Brooklyn Bridge Fair, six tracks. The next stop is 103rd Street. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. 